0: Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience.
1: Hello guys. Welcome to our show. Good people. Welcome. Bad people. Welcome, anyone who want to learn about how to make profit in your business. Welcome. Especially today we are going to cover topics, how intersect business profitability with environmental and social good. It's very important today think about nature, about environment. If I remember correctly, Donald Trump didn't like it, (laughs) but today we are going to cover another side of the story, how you can do it, how you can increase your profit revenue by taking care about something that is important for everyone. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Shell Horowitz. How are you? Very well, Anatoly. Looking forward to learn more. I'm doing great. You know, I, I usually wake up in the morning to set up positive mindset directly, you know, to my mind. That's why I always have this positive mood. And if I have no this positive mood, yeah, then I can cheat my mind. You know, everything is fine. So I need to go ahead, especially you now today. I have business in Ukraine. It's hard. It's a really hard time there. Tough time. But yeah. What we can do, I keep helping donating them, and I think uh, Ukraine will win this war, yeah. Uh, and yeah, it will help all the world.
0: So, mindset is so important, it actually helped me with yeah. the mountain several years ago. Uh, believing mm-hmm. that we could was the most important part, and actually succeeding.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice, nice, love it, love it. So, before we start, just Tell more about yourself, experience background, and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you.
0: I started really young on two sides of my life. One was as a marketer from age 15 or thereabouts, and the other was as an activist from age 12. So I've been doing both of these things. I'm now 66 and a half, so I've been doing these things for more than 50 years. And it's really quite... uh, quite nice that in the last 20 years or 25 years, I've figured out how to kind of braid them together into something that looks more coherent from uh, the outside. Uh, It's always looked coherent from the inside, but it looked pretty random, I think, to somebody looking at it from afar. So I have worked a lot on environmental and social causes for many, many years. And I bring my skills as a marketer to that. And that is something that I developed originally to help those causes come about. So it's all very intertwined and interrelated. And I guess after after saving that mountain that I mentioned, the big change for me was thinking, okay, I just brought everything that I knew about marketing into an activist campaign. What can I take from the activist world into the business world? And that's when I really started looking at how doing the right thing in business can actually be a profit and success strategy. Uh, four of my 10 books are actually on this, and everywhere I look, you talked about the positive mindset, I find it everywhere. I, I find I read a lot of different publications and, and webzines and e-zines, and they're full of articles about this person has invented a hydro plant the size of a frisbee that doesn't need you to build a dam and uh, this person has figured out how to do a net zero house in the colorado rockies where the main industry is skiing and it's cold that doesn't need a furnace and so on and on and on everywhere i look there's just wonderful things happening in the world that most of us don't hear about
1: mm-hmm. nice nice you know uh What I usually see, not only me, I think everyone can see when businesses think more about revenue, Um, that's okay, you know, because how business can survive uh, to compete with other companies without growing revenue. Uh, And uh, but uh, you intersect with uh, environment, uh, social good. uh, And um, can you tell how any company business can get benefits? By doing this and grow their businesses, don't stop, grow and go ahead.
0: Okay, so the first thing to think about is the direct obvious benefits. So, if for example, mm-hmm. you are more energy efficient, you lower your fuel costs. If you're more resource efficient, you don't have to pay to dispose of stuff you used to throw away. Um, and on and on it goes. So, there's a direct dollar benefit in that. Then there are the less direct less obvious benefits such as increased loyalty of your customer base, which maybe starts telling other people about you and becomes your unpaid sales force. Uh, there's the increased productivity and efficiency of your workforce. Um, and these have huge dollar gains, uh, or, you know, whatever currency you're using. (laughs) Um, and, I went to a conference several years ago called the Responsible Business Summit, and it was really interesting to me because here, out doing this work since the 1970s, I often felt like a lone wolf crying in the wilderness. And at this conference, there were people running sustainability programs at companies like Coca-Cola, Ford Motor Company, big, big companies that had realized that those indirect benefits were more than worth the cost they put in to their environmental and social justice programs. Mm-hmm. Well, that was kind of exciting. That was really, okay. I'm finally in the mainstream because the mainstream caught up to where I was 40 years ago. And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. that's exciting. So now they need to take the next step, that it's not just about going green, but really about creating a, a socially just world where resources are allocated as needed and not necessarily as grabbed by people who have more power. And there's, there's a lot of really good stuff happening, even in that corporate sector, which was definitely seen in the 1970s and 80s as not our friends.
1: Yeah, nice. Love it, love it. Yeah, uh, I want to ask about uh, uh, modern world, you know, about uh, that we have today, AI. Uh, and uh, I, I get a lot of questions about AI uh, what will be? I don't know <laughs> because my crystal ball doesn't work. I tried a few times after mm-hmm. buying crypto, <laughs> some assets, and yeah, I use my crystal ball. I read predictions, uh, forecast online, and got it. It it doesn't work, so <laughs> uh, uh, that's why I want to ask. Probably you can take your crystal ball and tell us <laughs> about uh, what kind of future will be because, uh, uh, for example, today, uh. Founders of ChatGPT, uh, Sam Altman, uh, many other great uh, specialists on this field, uh, told that we need to regulate AI because nobody knows what yeah. kind of future will be. Uh, and uh, But they still develop and innovate these products even more. Google, Twitter, Facebook, all big tech companies uh, increase investments to develop AI, and they don't know how AI can change this world. Uh, uh, they want to get uh, regulations from government, but I hope AI will not regulate uh, government instead you know, in the future. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, well, we'll see. your predictions about that and how we can adapt today.
0: <laughs> I don't know if my crystal ball is any less cloudy than yours, but I have some observations from the present that might be mm-hmm. relevant. Um, one is that chat GPT has one really, really big flaw is that it doesn't distinguish between truth and stuff it makes up. And they both sound really authoritative. And that I worry very deeply is going to undermine education and the self quest for knowledge in ways that we cannot predict, and that concerns me greatly. Uh, But I also recognize that chat is not a wonderful tool as in terms of the writing voice it creates. It's I've looked at, I've played around with it a little bit, not very much, and I think I might use it, for example. Uh, to generate some ideas and then write from the ideas, or I might use it to say which of these 10 headlines are likely to perform best. But again, I'm not going to necessarily trust its answers because I've seen answers from chat that are clearly wrong. And they sound like, oh my goodness, this must have come from an encyclopedia. It must be true. And so, um, but as a writer, chat lacks a certain finesse. And I am a professional writer. I have Written ten books and thousands mm-hmm. of articles and blog posts and newsletters. This is my most recent book, Guerrilla Marketing to oh. the World. Wow! It's the fourth of those four books that I talked about in the intersection of profitability and environmental social good, and it's my tenth book overall. And you know, when I look at the kind of writing that the chatbot does, I see that humans are still able to write better. I don't know if that'll be true in two years, five years, ten years, but right now. The, the writing, it's almost like you got it from a term paper mill. Um, I don't know if people in Europe know that expression. It's a it's a business that sells college papers to people who can't be bothered to write themselves and don't mind the ethical problems of buying someone else's work and passing it off as your own. I would never do that. And in fact, I started my business more than 40 years ago as a typing service, and I refused mm-hmm to type things that looked like they were plagiarized. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, gotcha, gotcha. You know, yeah. uh, I, I love reading books. Uh, in, I think books uh, are the best format for me because, you know, offers usually spend like six months to write a single book. I know an yeah. author, uh, Lloyd Richards, uh, he uh, wrote a book 14 years, 14 yeah. years to write a single book. Uh, it's interesting about this book that uh, uh, after publishing this book, he couldn't sell this book for 11 years. So yeah. he spent some marketing sales budget, but nothing couldn't help to sell this book. Then his daughter posted content on TikTok from account with zero followers. Uh, this video became viral, and plus 50 million people watch this video. And today this book is bestseller on Amazon. So one single video beats a lot of marketing and sales channels of course I watched this video you know uh, because uh, I want to know how to get 50 million views and uh, what I found uh, that was creative so creative you know it's not like uh, many other marketing campaigns sales uh, generic you know but this video creative uh, and uh, it provokes curiosity to read this book and uh, you know I want to ask you about benefits uh, about your book guerrilla marketing because Uh, A few times, someone recommended me this book. Yeah, uh, uh, I got these recommendations from other um, uh, specialists on LinkedIn, Uh, but uh, I want to ask you about benefits that i and my audience can get by reading this book what kind of benefits we can get because you know i have a huge list of books that i must read it's so you know i i don't know where to find time to read a teeny percent of these books because i want to read all of them but yeah uh, lack of time only that so uh tell benefits of reading your book because i'm going to put uh, on my list and yeah my audience will do.
0: First, let me correct the title. It's Guerrilla Marketing to Heal the World. There are about 100 or Mm -hmm. more than 100 guerrilla marketing books. This was a series started by my late co-author, Jay Conrad Levinson, who is a marketing legend. And Mm -hmm. um, I wrote the two books on environmental and social change as guerrilla marketing applies to them. So, the original Guerrilla Marketing book came out all the way back in 1984, which was actually the year that my first marketing book came out. <laughs> but um, um, it has, this book is really kind of a roadmap for how a company, whether it's a solopreneur like me or a huge corporation with hundreds of thousands of employees around the world, can take steps to go about making the world better through their products and services in ways that also help their bottom line. So that's the the Mm -hmm. one-sentence elevator statement for the book. And I've got so many examples in here of just amazing thinkers, uh, people. There's a whole series toward the back of the book of profiles of some of the real geniuses of our time, uh, such as Janine Benyus, who pretty much invented the field of biomimicry, where you look to nature to see how nature has solved your engineering problems. So if you want to know how to build a better bridge, study spiders. If you want to know how to deal with really, really rapid total reversal climate change situations, look at how India, the plants and animals in the monsoon areas of India, have learned to cope with one month of flooding and 11 months of drought. There are lessons for us in all of these examples. And there are also many, many uh, pieces about specific businesses and what they've done. Uh, for example, my favorite coffee entrepreneur is a man named Dean Sycon. His company is deansbeans.com. And every single bean that he's roasted since founding in, I think it was 1993, has been organic and fair trade. And um, he takes a fairly big portion of his profits and reinvests them in the communities where he grows his coffee. He goes to those coffee co-ops and says, here is X amount of dollars. What do you want to do with it? And they come up with all sorts of cool projects. Um, There was one, I think it was in Rwanda, that decided to do a a project on men's violence. There are some that want to dig wells so that the women don't have to spend their entire day carrying water back and forth. Some have built schools. But it's village-led. It's not anything that he's imposing from the outside. He's simply providing the funding. And he's providing that funding from the money he makes selling their coffee. So it's very circular. And circular, by the way, is a principle I talk about a lot in the book. The idea that one waste stream is another input for something else.
1: Yeah, nice. And
0: that's that's a very powerful thing. So this could be a simple two-step circle, or it could be many, many steps. For example, you can grow grain to make beer with. And then the spent grain, after it's gone through the brewery, is a great place to grow mushrooms. And then the mushroom waste can feed a tilapia crop. And then the fish waste can feed greens. And it just keeps going around and around and around. And it might be better to think about the spiral rather than the circle. Because as you go around, you're climbing higher. You're getting better. Everything's working more in harmony with each other. It's really exciting stuff. So I've put mm-hmm. together this highly readable book. and. Um, with, as I said, examples from companies of every size of how you can do the easy stuff, look for those low hanging fruits that can really make a huge difference. And sometimes I wrote a column recently about the difference between Kaizen and grape leaps. So Kaizen is a Japanese term meaning small continuous improvements. So as an example, um, I am actually wearing as we do this interview, a pair of zip off pants. They can be either long pants or shorts. And this is, uh, I had had a couple of pairs before and it always used to frustrate me that I could never figure out which leg of the pant extenders went on which side. And then this pair actually on one side, on the left, they painted the end of the zipper on both the pant side and the leg side. They painted it bright red. That's Kaizen. Mm -hmm. I am now Mm -hmm. gaining, every time I put on these pants, I'm gaining maybe five minutes if I was going to put it on the wrong leg. Mm -hmm. really simple stuff to do that. On the other hand, you have the idea of that house I mentioned before in the Colorado Rockies, the person who designed that house is one of the people I profiled in the book, Amory Lovins. And he built that house in such a way that the improvements, the energy stuff that he did that enabled him to be basically net zero in 1984 or paid for by the elimination of systems that were not necessary in a house like that, like a furnace. So if you don't need $8,000 for a furnace and you can put that into extra insulation or bigger windows in the solar sides of your house, your cost to build the extra energy features is close to zero and your payback is really quick. So hmm. if you can get an ROI of, let's just say, the Empire State Building is a great example. Everybody knows this building. It was built in the early yeah. 1930s. When oil was almost free, uh, I think it was 29 cents a barrel, not a gallon, if I remember right. Yeah. <laughs> Basically no cost. Um, so of course, energy efficiency was not a factor in that building's construction. But oh, I guess it's probably about 15 years ago now, they did what's called a deep energy retrofit. They replaced all the windows and they milled them on site. They took one floor of the building and made it a window factory so there was no transportation cost of fuel or anything else to bring that stuff in. It was already there. And they replaced the heating controls and insulated. And, oh, my goodness, Anatoly, they got a 33% annual ROI. They paid it back in under four years. (laughs) And then from then on, it's saving them millions of dollars every year in, in fuel costs so it, the benefits keep going by now they're probably ready to replace some of it but still out of the savings that they can do they can easily manage that
1: nice yeah awesome yeah love it love it yeah i'm going to read your book you know guys i recommend to anyone you can find the link to this book uh, in the description to this podcast yeah valuable valuable so i want to ask about another aspect uh, of uh doing marketing it's not about marketing more about PR for example if companies can make good for environment uh, for social good uh, they can earn this PR positive reputation and uh, that can help to sell products as well so can you tell uh, how to uh, tell the world that we did something to change our approaches uh, that, yeah, of course, it can help to save our money, to, but uh, we help this well. So, you know, uh, uh, I think that's good, you know, to inform that you did it uh, because others can do and it can help to increase positive reputation and show a great example for others, you know, to do the same. So uh, can you tell how to provide PR about that? Sure.
0: I'll start by talking about a company that had to figure that out, and it was Markel, a major manufacturer of household paper products in the Northeast United States, a regional brand. Mm-hmm. They sell toilet paper, napkins, paper towels, that sort of thing. Well, you want to guess what year they switched to recycled paper?
1: No, yeah, of course.
0: <laughs> what year do you think they, they might have done that?
1: Uh, probably, I don't know. Uh, new Gadgets uh I know. <laughs> okay.
0: they were early in the game I'll, I'll give you that hint
1: uh so i mean like uh, they use uh, this equipment uh, i don't know <laughs> I can well, the answer is
0: 1950 when i was minus six uh-huh. and um <laughs> they forgot to tell anybody for like 40 years uh-huh. <laughs> And when they finally, 50 years, they finally started Mm -hmm. telling the early aughts, like around 2007, 2008, they got a new CEO who's like, oh, this is a huge marketing asset. Let's tell the world that we've been recycled Mm -hmm. before half our customers were born. And Uh uh, wow, they were in bankruptcy. And then after they started publicizing this and putting it on their packaging and putting it in their marketing. They became the number one recycled brand in the country, and they're a regional brand. They didn't even have food. but they were uh, just that one thing—that of telling the yeah. world we've been using recycled paper before you all ever heard of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, nice. this was founded in 1939. It was still a, a family business, and I actually got to tour their factory some years ago, and, and wow, I mean. So how a business owner can, first of all, the press is your ally here, because when you have a good, feel-good story like that, the press wants to cover you and loves to write feature articles. So that's one thing, and that costs nothing other than if you hire a publicist or somebody like me to write your press releases. I'm not a publicist, but Mm -hmm. I write really good press releases, by the way. Uh Um, I I call them story-behind-the-story press releases. They're not the traditional (laughs) but they get people interested and hooked. I had one person said to me, these aren't press releases, they're too interesting. (laughs) So, um, yeah, that's one aspect. The other is your packaging. I've just written actually uh, two columns in a row in my newsletter, uh, which you can see at thecleanandgreenclub.com. I've just done two articles on packaging in the last two months, one about the outside of your packaging and the other on the inside of your packaging, how these things can tell your brand story and make converts on the shelf and then retain customers after they've opened the package. So those are a couple of ways. Um, Interviews, I mean, here I am, you are asking me questions and I'm telling you about my book and telling you that I write uh, publicity materials for companies and develop marketing strategy. So anybody can do that. Any CEO or or marketing coordinator of any company should be doing interviews as much as possible. then of course there's the whole social media world great place mm-hmm. to brag on what you're doing and also to highlight your suppliers your customers twitter you know is is wonderful for that because you can write a very short squib that takes almost no time and stick a link in there And then they can read about the accomplishments that your customer is doing with your product as opposed to you saying, oh, look at us. We're great. We're selling toilet paper with recycled paper. Um, You can say, oh, the highway department that operates the rest areas in California is saving five million trees a year by using our product. Um, And here's uh, a link to the, the, the manager of that work talking about what that means to the state of California.
1: So you can go on and on and on like that. Yeah, love it, love it. So I want to ask you about uh, press releases. You know, uh, we have a lot of generic press releases. Journalists hate them. Mm -hmm. Especially today when we have ChatGPT, you can ask ChatGPT, please, write press release, you can get it for a few seconds. And people do it. You know, Marketers do it. Uh, I spoke with a few big... uh, publications and they told me they stopped accepting press releases because they need to figure out <laughs> how to filter out this uh-huh. AI written press releases. And uh, I know uh, it's hard to write uh, something new creative in press release because uh, I spent so much time to figure out. and. Uh, A few days ago, we got mentioned on CNN with our press release. We got mentions on Forbes, many other great resources. But it takes time, you know, to be creative, to bring something new to the table. Uh, You mentioned that you can write great press releases. Please. I'm so curious how to do it, you know, how to find ideas and how to... Because, you know, for me, it's hard to write press releases because you need be concise you know uh, to write short press release like mark Twain uh, said i have no time to write short yeah. letter and <laughs> that's why i usually write long letter so any tips about that
0: <laughs> sure well as i mentioned before my style of press release writing is what i call the story behind the story and my favorite example is one i did actually quite a while ago really when i was pioneering the concept i got hired to write a press release for uh, a book release on a book on electronic privacy, you know, really dull stuff. And if you follow most press release guidelines, you will end up with electronic privacy, <laughs> this new book. Well, my headline was, and this, um, I'll give you some cultural context. In the United States in the 70s, I think it was, there was a big TV uh, public service campaign uh, around child safety. And the headline was, it's 10 o'clock, do you know where your children are? And I changed that to it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your credit history is? Um, mm-hmm. And then it went on to say, um, what would you say if you knew that it was vacationing in data banks of big corporations that are mining the data and not giving you any information about what they're doing? And uh, if I were writing that press release today, I would probably focus it on identity theft, which is a much bigger threat now than it was when I wrote this. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, by this time, they are so totally hooked that when the book finally shows up in paragraph three, there's like, yeah, I need this. <laughs> um so that's that's how I turn the whole thing inside out. And I do the same thing if I'm writing, for example, web page copy. I, I look for what is the benefit to the reader or the threat to the reader of not acting, mm-hmm. and how can I make that real and tangible, touchable? Um and that's something that Chat GPT I don't think is going to be able to do for hopefully my lifetime anyway. <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> yeah we'll see <laughs> yeah i think you know ai can surprise Um it, it does today but uh, future will be even more uh, hard for writers but uh, yeah uh as we mentioned many times uh, many other uh, great uh, experts they found that chat gpt is not creative you know so uh, today it's this tool can't beat writers but in the future, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> so, we will. Yeah, it's, a, it's only the beginning of AI journey, so we'll see. Yeah. Okay. And
0: again, it's a, it's a great tool as if you use yeah. it as an assistant and not as the writer. It's It can sift through massive amounts of data, but the thing is you have to fact check it all anyway because it's not reliable.
1: Yeah, yeah. You you can't rely 100% to this data. Uh, I, I love using this tool. You know, I used AI before ChatGPT. Today, I use a lot more because it can help to create content it increases speed it's not like uh if you feed this tool with Friday data i remember how elon musk did he posted tweet how he asked ChatGPT gpt hard question on twitter uh before uh, when he started to criticize chat gpt uh um, i think because he lost uh, money on that <laughs> when he decided to uh leave this product but anyway uh, it's Elon Musk. I respect him, uh, but uh, and uh, uh, what I found, he asked hard question in in this bad language. Uh, uh, how Elon Musk can do you now? But I, I read a few times his question uh, to understand Elon Musk points, and he got unique answer. He got unique answer because I usually see when. Content creators ask how to play guitar, how to lose weight. It's generic, guys. <laughs> you know, you need uh, just check out how Elon Musk can do. He, he is not interested to ask generic questions because you can find answers on Google, on YouTube. Yeah, be specific if you want to create something new. So, feed more data. Uh, by the way, I uh, edit on ChatGPT. Uh, this mention that we got on CNN. Uh, yeah, we edited our press release on Chat GPT. I ask, please edit for uh big publications like Forbes, Bloomberg, and yeah, CNN accepted this uh text. So, this tool is great with editing, but not writing something you need to <laughs> find this information.
0: Yeah, so uh, it would be like yeah. you, you might see something that Chat GPT created. I'm going to speak personally to you and your country here, you know, mm-hmm. because Putin claims he's winning the war, you might see Chat. GTP returning a a result that says Putin is winning the war because they, they don't yeah. have filter to know that it's Putin bragging as opposed to actual truth.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's so hard because, you know, uh, yeah, I read a lot about that before the war. I was not interested today. I can't ignore this topic. And what I can see today that uh, Putin, you know, He's scared about uh, Internet, about technologies. He got all information on papers. uh, And uh, um, according to a few uh, agents that left Russia, they told uh, that, uh, yeah, he got this information uh, written on paper and he doesn't like when someone can read uh, not good news, you know, bad news. That's why they usually write good news for him. So I don't know. But today, yeah, that's good that Ukraine has the support, all these weapons, and uh, yeah, people are so brave. Uh, yeah, I keep helping donating uh, Ukrainian army, uh, my company, people in Ukraine, because yeah, what we can do, we need to win this war. So, because uh, I think you know, all countries had the same issues, the US has. Uh, In history, other countries, yeah, we need to overcome this old obsolete regimes. So yeah, to go ahead.
0: And you know, this is something I talk a little bit about, not so much in the book, but in my talks, I do a talk uh, called Impossible is a Dare, uh, based Mm -hmm. on one quote that is in the book that I will read to you because I love it so much. Um, Here it is. Impossible is just a big word thrown around by small men who find it easier to live in the world they've been given than to explore the power they have to change it. Impossible is not a fact. It's an opinion. Impossible Mm -hmm. is not a declaration. It's a dare. Impossible is potential. Impossible is temporary. Impossible is nothing. Um, And one of the things I talk about in those impossible is a dare speeches is war. And basically, if you look at almost every war in history, it's either about resources or about religion. And if you look at the religious wars, it usually turns out that they're about resources also. So uh-huh. if you understand that, then the work of transforming the business world's use of resources becomes also a way to transform war into peace. Uh-huh. And thats uh, it has to be a just peace. If, if people do not have enough to eat, if there's no justice in that, you will never have peace. But you can go yeah. all the way back to the Old Testament and you see Abraham negotiating with his Arab neighbors over water rights 3,500 years ago. Yeah. So that's where it all starts. And that's when we are able to use far less water and far less oil and far less metal ore to get the same results, then we are a bit peace-building.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When we are able to allocate food in ways that make sense so that nobody's starving, we're building peace. Uh, When we are able to house everyone in something that is good enough to live in and not decrepit or infested, we're building peace. So this is really important work. It's important in Ukraine and it's important everywhere there's a war and there's also everywhere there's ever been a war or it's going to be a war and that's the entire world.
1: Yeah, 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 I think so. And you know, I, I I just learned more about Putin, and uh, I think Putin has resources. He has all Russia, you know, <laughs> a, a lot of land. So, but uh, uh, it's greedy.
0: Yeah,
1: he, he wants more. <laughs> he wants more land, and but he he have he has no skills to develop all this land. <laughs> okay, you you have all land, but how to develop? How to go ahead? You know, he he, he doesn't know how to do it. He he can control. Some land, but he can't develop. uh, And it's a pity, you know, about that. Yeah. uh,
0: It it, uh, gladdened my heart enormously when the Russian invasion first started and the Ukrainians swapped out the street sign. So instead of saying um, Kiev 90 kilometers, it would say, fuck you, go back to Russia. Uh, you know, for me, it's hard to
1: explain how they are brave. You know, it's you know these people can do anything. They can torture you. They can beat you. Uh, you know, they can kill anyone. They are so brave because uh, I spoke with many friends in Kherson, many other uh, cities. I have no idea how to. Go outside on the street and explain that we don't want to see you. Go away. We don't need your democracy. <laughs> because in Ukraine it's interesting, people can say anything. You know, if I don't like Zelensky, I can tell. I don't like Zelensky, it's my opinion. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's freedom of speech in Russia. 15 years in prison. Mm-hmm. You know, anything against Russian propaganda. Yeah, so crazy. Well,
0: there's, uh, Ugh, yeah. there's uh, so much interesting research coming out about nonviolence and how effective it is, um, how in many ways it's a better weapon than the traditional military weapons. And there are mm-hmm. um, more than 200 varieties of actions that we can take nonviolently with greater and lesser degrees of personal risk and situational. Like here in the U.S. Um, during COVID, all of a sudden a lot of the protests that used to be big marches in the streets were car carriers. With one person in each car, which is not very ecological, but it means that you can have 20 people and spread out over several blocks and look like a big demonstration. And all the cars have flags and banners and signs and whatnot, and everybody knows they're part of it. Um, It's really very exciting to see the research of people like Erica Chenoweth um, on how much more effective nonviolent resistance is than armed resistance.
1: Yeah, nice, nice. Love this sharing. I want to ask you about mistakes. <laughs> Get back to our main topic, you know, about uh, common mistakes. You know, uh, can, can you list mistakes that companies still do trying to intersect environment, social good and their uh, growth? Uh, yeah. And your tips how to find
0: another way. <laughs> okay. Well, we already talked about a big one, which is forgetting to tell people what you're doing. But there's mm-hmm. also the the opposite, which is also a mistake, is to tell people you're doing good things when you're really not. We call it greenwashing or progress wow. washing or, you know, fill in the blank washing. Um, and it's first of all, we live in an age where anybody can get information all the time and you're putting yourself at risk of being caught out, not telling the truth. Uh, there are whole industries that are doing this. The nuclear power industry pretends it is socially good and environmentally good because the actual running the atoms through the reactor doesn't create greenhouse gases. They don't tell you about the mining, the milling, the the processing, the transportation, all of which has a huge carbon cost, plus the safety issues, which you and the Ukraine are still dealing with after 1986 Chernobyl, um, and you're dealing with again because of the dam that is putting that other nuclear power plant I can't pronounce at risk. (laughs) and, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so uh, it's a terrible technology and they pretend to be green yeah. um the technology that produced roundup uh, a big chemical product in agricultural world yeah. is another one that they, they pretend to be green and they're not so don't do that um be able to back up your claims always um really look at what are the ways that you can have broader impact okay and and tell those stories so if you are doing something to support a food pantry talk about how that food pantry is enabling inner city teenagers to find work and become productive members of society and mm-hmm. get off the dole and uh, and how on and on it goes and and how the skills that people are getting working in this food pantry or working in a farm that's supplying the food pantry is stuff that they can take with them the rest of their lives and really look for that bigger impact story. So I don't mm-hmm. see a lot of companies doing that. Um, and remember also that if you're going to do these things, you have to kind of go in all the way. You have to look at what are your management patterns like? Are they dictatorial and, and hierarchical or are they collaborative? Um, people, the more we get into these things, the more people are going to be looking at these broader holistic pictures. So the companies that do really well are companies like Patagonia that really walk their talk. Um, I just read a book a couple months ago by the former CEO of Unilever, which is Mm -hmm. one of the largest corporations in the world. And it was really refreshing to see, number one, these are all the incredible things they did under his tenure to really make the world a better place. Uh, and they did it product by product. So Dove had lots and lots of ad campaigns about how women are beautiful no matter what they look like. Uh, Life Boy, which is a, a UK Unilever brand of soap, um, did stuff about hand washing and how to prevent disease. And this was before the pandemic. Um, and they really walked their talk in that way. But also, um, Pullman, Paul Pullman, the, the main author of the book, was very frank and say, okay, here's where we fell short, here's where we need to do better. And here's where the entire business world is doing well and here is where they need to do better. And having that kind of analysis, being willing to hold the mirror up and see the ugly parts as well as the good parts. And yes. say okay, now what do we do to fix that?
1: Awesome. Yeah, love it. Love it. Interesting. Uh so I have final question. You know, I have students in my network who are looking for ways how to start from scratch, how to learn. I have businesses who don't know marketing, uh, but they want to get results from marketing. And for example, if I see that customers don't understand SEO, I usually tell them, take my course, learn from Lily Ray, uh, Mike Phillips, Jeff, many other great experts. Uh, Go to YouTube, go to Google. It doesn't matter. Just learn, find your loving format, read books. Just get the basic how it works. Then we can cooperate, like, okay, hey team, we understand why we need to create high quality content, what high quality content means, you know, how to submit call to action, m- many different things. And I'm curious uh, about the question, if you started today, from scratch, without any experience, knowledge, skills, it's your first day in this world, <laughs> what will you do today to learn more about marketing and increasing business uh, revenue
0: <laughs> oh it's so easy now when i started in 1981 i started with 200 dollars, and 178 of 176 of those dollars went to buy a 13 year old used ibm's electric typewriter and uh, i yeah. had to teach myself everything and now you can find youtube you can read books like mine yeah, and i also have my marketing 101 book the um sorry grassroots marketing getting noticed in a noisy world and there's social media tools and there's it's so easy the, the big problem now is trying to sort out what is the good information and how much of it do i need to absorb before getting going and i say get going you know start right away keep your expenses down be lean i <laughs> my first year in business i made i think it was five thousand dollars you know, but it was mm-hmm. a start and it was a start. And I, I, my expenses were very low other than the typewriter. And actually I took my profits after, um, the first year and I bought a better typewriter <laughs> <one laughs> <collecting> IBM Selectric. <laughs> um, then now everybody starts with a computer. If you don't have one already, you can get one used for a pittance and, um, you can, you can use these tools, but also Because people are listening here, I normally give anybody who asks a 15-minute consultation on how they can adapt their particular business to these great social and environmental goals that we've been talking about. But for the people listening here, it'll be a half hour free. Mm And that's how you get a lot of help. It's not just a sales call. It's it's really looking at you and what is your situation. And these are things that occur to me that you might want to try. And of course, yes, I'm hoping that some of these people will then work with me to uh, to bring it further. But it's free advice. And that's something that no. is really worth a lot. I'm not going to be shy about saying I'm good at what I do.
1: Nice. You're so kind. Yeah, love it, love it. Uh, Shell, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. I'm going to read your books I put to my huge list. Uh, and
0: I will also make sure that I send you the link for how to book that 30-minute consultation.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Send me to my email. I'll submit, guys, to the podcast episode so you can find links to uh, social media accounts, LinkedIn, Twitter, to books, uh, to a consultation link. So just uh, open in the description below. Shell, thanks again. A big pleasure to get on my show. Welcome back anytime. I love all your valuable insights. You know, you you lead me to an emergency room. I need to spend time (laughs) to consume all this information and think how to adapt everything that I have. Yeah, and thanks guys for listening and watching us. Thanks for
0: listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use.